We are officially 59 days away from the NFL season, which this is around the time that really get that football chub when you can actually taste the football season coming. And of course, with the football season on approach, naturally, we start to think about in my opinion, the best part about football season, which is fantasy fucking football. 59 days out, people are starting to put together their draft strategies. Um, some people are already starting to do mock drafts. You know, if you finished last in your league last year, you probably started those maybe even a month ago. Um, I know I've had a few rough years and like it just makes you so much hungrier, especially if you're in a league like we are uh, that is just absolutely ruthless. And uh, we will get to more on that league in a little bit. But gentlemen, fantasy season is upon us. How do you feel? I've definitely done a few mocks already. (laughs) Super anxious. Um, I think the real question is how soon is too soon? And when it comes to fantasy football and just football in general, there is no too soon answer. Um, This is pretty much what we all kind of, uh, you know, eat, breathe and sleep, right? Yep. And we... I mean, it, truly, we're obsessive fantasy, you know, fans. So this is one bit of analysis that you can really take to the bank with these guys. Uh, we know our shit. We've I've been playing fantasy football for, like most people for, you know, probably two decades now. And uh, I love it. I invest way too much time into it. You know, the amount of money, however much money we decided to put towards our fantasy league every year, (laughs) it doesn't nearly compensate for the amount of time (laughs) that I put into it overall. But um, yeah, I I, in in terms of mock drafts, I don't think you can do them, you know, too early. Like, yeah, maybe February is a little too early. But um, (laughs) after the draft, like anytime after the draft, especially, you know, when minicamp starts, I'm not talking about doing them every day. But if you're just bored sitting on the couch, you know, on your phone, pull up a mock draft. And if you don't... On the, on the shitter at work. <laughs> for, for real. Like, especially, like, you know, if, if, if you're bored, like, at an airport, even, you can do it on your phone. I'm telling you, folks, if you're not doing mock drafts to prepare for your league, you're not doing well in your league. I can guarantee you that. Unless your league sucks overall. Because the guy that's beating you every year in your league is doing mock drafts. Believe me. Yeah, it's a great tool to get in the feel for where players are going, where where there might be some extra value uh, hidden in there, yep. built in based on whatever ranking system there are. <clears throat> One of the most crucial things about that is also like do mock drafts on different platforms too. Yes. Like if you use one particular platform for all of your leagues, you should try doing a couple mock drafts on some different platforms to see where there might be differences just because those experts for whichever platform you use are the ones who are generating the rankings that they have that are going to default for your, for your league. So if you're, if you're in a snake draft, uh, that's definitely going to play a huge factor in that. Absolutely. Yeah, and, I'll, and also like, you know, like for us, we, we all have, uh, you know, been in this league quite for quite some time. So uh, leagues that you're um, continuous in, I think it's super important to also kind of incorporate um, what your other guys or girls are going to be doing. Um, and that's always going to fluctuate based on how many people are in there. Um, and I know for me, it, I definitely changed my my draft uh, um, you know, philosophy. So, yeah, everything. Whenever Newman's right right next to me, it changes how I draft everything. Because more often than not, he's gonna one of us is grabbing someone that the other person wanted. 
Yep. And so today, this is a fantasy football podcast. So we normally cover a lot of different sports. If you're not interested in fantasy football, now's the time to tune out because that is all we're talking about today. Fantasy football. The time has come. So the topics we're going to cover today, we're going to co- go over some sleepers. Uh, we're going to go over some bus. And then we're going to discuss the all-important cuffs of this year. Um, who's out there? Uh, who do we think is worth owning? Um, what our basic cuff strategies are? And if you don't know what a cuff is, we'll obviously go over that as well. We're also going to talk about why your fantasy team sucks. And, you know, if you're wondering, uh, you know, if you're kind of confused by that statement, y- your fantasy team probably sucks. Or if, if, or if you don't know who's person in, in your league every year sucks, it's definitely you. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about why your league sucks. If you've been a commissioner for a long time... You have to if you have to recruit more than three guys to your league every year, and you've been running this league for multiple years. Your fantasy league probably sucks. I got news for you: you you have trouble recruiting because your rules blow, and because you, your league is just kind of losing interest. So let's let's start out just straight up with why your league sucks. Uh, we've all been playing fantasy for a long time. What are the rules out there that you've seen in fantasy leagues that just kind of irk you or make make things just really annoying about fantasy leagues that you've seen? If you still have kickers in your league, your league sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to argue that. I, I hate kickers. I've obviously been uh, pushing against them for quite some time. But I think for me, I think one of the weird ones is uh, double points over 50 yards, whether it be a field goal touchdown um however double points for over 50 over one explosion that's a big change in the game yeah. uh you know especially if someone that bursts out that's that's my number one pet peeve it's it's this arbitrary awarding of just completely random landmarks like like le- leagues like like you said if, if a player has a 50 yard run they get like a they get like a point adder or if, if if a player has you know 100 yards total or 150 and they keep getting these point adders, it's just so arbitrary and stupid. Like it's not consistent and it's so random. Like so, if if, if your running back runs for 149 yards, he's gonna get 10 or five points less than if he ran for 150 yards. Like, do you not see how stupid that is? Like it's it's just these random you know point attributions. And have you guys seen any other random ones? I know that I've seen it for yards. Um, I've even seen catches, some catches. Uh, well, catches for quarterbacks, like completions for quarterbacks, you get points. Um, catches for wide receivers, obviously, that's PPR, that's fine. But like, <clears throat> anytime a quarterback is like accumulating catches, like that makes the quarterback the number one pick. Like they should be the number one pick every time. If that's what you're going based off of, it's so, just. Um, well, one of the ones I haven't seen in quite some time, but it's um, players getting points for punt and kick returns. So, uh, like, for instance, when I was younger, um, uh, you know, learning fantasy or whatever, like we're talking 12, 13 years old, um, you get a player like Devin Hester or like Azahir Akeem who would return a punt for a touchdown, do nothing else the whole game, but you get double points for that. Dante you know, Hall, baby. Exactly. Guys like that would do nothing uh, at their position but rack in 20 points because they broke, you know, broke one. Um, so not non-position specific pointage. Speaking of Dante Hall, do you remember Dante Hall back uh, when Madden assigned their first 100 speed rating and he was just so fucking ridiculous in that Madden game? Yeah, never could tackle him. Yep. 
Well, well, what else? So I've I've seen I've seen some leagues do some really dumb things. Um, I've I've also just seen some options that I've never seen leagues do. That I'm curious if we have some listeners out there that have been in leagues like this. But have you seen some leagues that have coaches? You you can actually have coaches on your team. Like what? Like you get you get awarded points for for coaching and stuff like that, or the home away. Like oh, you're you're the home yeah. team. You're the away team this week. So if it, if it goes to a tie, you get the tiebreaker or whatever. Like. Easily one of the dumbest. Stupid. Easily one of the dumbest. That's I, I can't even comprehend that uh, because imagine how many points someone who had uh, Anthony Lynn in there would have lost last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't even really know what those points are based on. I, I think the majority of them are wins. So then you go for the obvious guys like Andy Reid would obviously be the, probably the first coach off the board, and uh, yeah, it's 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 fucking silly. And yeah. and kickers, you know, you mentioned kickers. Um, I'll at least, I would play in a league with kickers, I, I guess. I'd compromise on it. The reason I don't like kickers is the reason that you shouldn't like kickers is it's so random. It's based on game script. It's not even necessarily, it rarely has anything to do with how good the kicker is. Now, there are exceptions like Tucker for the Ravens. He frequently, you know, he's one of the best, he's one of the greatest kickers of all time, you know, low key. Um, and he does, he hits bombs consistently and the Ravens lean on him heavily, but then there's guys that aren't that good. So you see, you see what I'm getting at. Um, it's crazy when you see a guy who's just in a team that kicks a lot, they're not even that good. Their percentage isn't even that high, but they're getting a lot because their offense might suck or, you know, they, they don't really have a good scoring quarterback or you get what I'm saying. It's it's so random. It's like a flip flip of the coin. I mean, the real strategy for kickers is to play to pick a kicker that is going to score. Like the team scores a lot. Team scores a lot. The kicker is going to score a lot. That's just the nature of how that works. Um, But I mean, even like even when you think you have it picked out from the beginning of the year, it's like no, this is random. There's literally been a study. Like some guy did a study where he took a kicker off of the waivers every week that was randomly chosen. Like he had no, there was nothing that he put it through a random generator, picked a kicker. That was a kicker he picked up every week and he outscored the number one kicker in the league for the whole season. Yeah. See, uh, uh, you know, outside of kickers, uh, kind of things that maybe irk me, uh, I think it's defensive scoring. I think there's just not as like, um, like set of like a fine print of how the scoring goes. So like, for instance, you could start a defense that played great, you know, for like, let's say they hold the Kansas city chiefs to 10 points, but no sacks, no turnovers, but that great defense, you know, awesome. They score like six, seven points. Then you get a team who gives up 27 to the Cowboys, but have an interception, three sacks and a pick six, and they outscore like that. So I think it's kind of hard to find that middle ground of what is proper for, for defensive scoring. Um, and there's really not, I don't think there's a right answer, but uh, more often than not, I'm on the, I'm on the wrong end of, uh, of what happens there. So speaking of kickers, um, I know Newman already saw it, but I bought myself a little gift back in uh, April, and uh, it took months and months and months to arrive. You're buy something, and the shipping time is a ridiculous amount of... So I get a package in the other day. I don't remember. I was like, oh, I don't remember ordering anything. Open it up. What is it? Ray Finkel Dolphins jersey. Fucking awesome. Epic. Uh, so dumb and so, but that dude, uh, laces out, baby. Speaking of kickers, but yeah, kickers. I'm, I'm, I'm even down with the concept of adding another utility player in and doing away with defenses. But those aren't things that I would hold out from a league from doing. Now there, 
let's go back to the fundamentals. Things that I absolutely won't cross over. Think things that if someone's like, you know, someone from my office is like, hey, bro, looking for someone, you know, for our fantasy league. I ask them three questions. Number one, is it PPR? If the answer to that question is no, I'm out. If the answer to that question is, yeah, but we do like quarter PPR or half PPR, I'm fucking out. PPR, maintain it. There is a reason for it. If you are not playing in a PPR league, your running backs are way overvalued. If you if you look at rankings from previous years and you, you take PPR rankings, the way that the whole league flushes out at the end of the year, take PPR rankings and non-PPR rankings, you will see why every competent fantasy commissioner puts in PPR into their league. So let's just let's just go. We're talking about fantasy pros rankings, right? If I if I switch the rankings from standard to PPR or PPR to standard in this case, out of their top twelve, which is the most common league size, of their top twelve positions on their ECR rankings, ten of them are running backs in non PPR. So it's just always, you know, it's going to be a running back rush no matter what, if you're playing PPR or non-PPR. But if you're playing non-PPR, the weight is so ridiculously uh, towards running backs. But now switch it from standard to PPR scoring, and you have like half wide receivers, half running backs. You even have some tight ends in there. And that's the thing is, you know, they have two positions that, that make catches in the league. Uh, tight end and, and wide receivers, it makes tight ends that much more valuable. It just evens out your league, folks. I'm sorry. I know people go back and forth about this. If you're not playing PPR, like talk to any fantasy expert, uh, listen to any fantasy podcast. All the things that they're talking about, it's just assumed that it's PPR because if you're not p- playing PPR at this point, it's you're you're outdated and you, uh, fantasy has evolved without you. And you're, yeah. you're playing in the same leagues I've been playing in since, like, 2003 when we were playing in those shitty Yahoo leagues, Newman. But uh, <laughs> move on. Switch it to so PPR. What, what's, what's question two? Question two is, how many wide receivers do you have? And this is something that some people are just fucking bananas in their leagues, and they'll have, like, four wide, like wide receiver positions. You know, we do the tight end wide receiver flex as like our additional utility player. I if if it's a utility player, I'll entertain it, but it's just insane because then you got this wide receiver rush. Like I, I like a consistent, you know, small small league that doesn't like way over. Like if you have four wide receivers and two running backs, it's just it's too much. Yeah. Yep. And then third question is, you know, how 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 do you pay out your league? Um. A lot of a lot of leagues, you know. I I think I think a league needs to heavily. If you're playing for money, you need to heavily award your first place team, your second place team. And I've seen leagues they try to do too many payouts. Um, you know, I've been in leagues that paid out all the way to like seventh in like a twelve team league, and it's like no, no what's, fucking what's way. The point? Exactly. So yeah, what, what about you guys? Like fundamental rules that are just no goes for you in in any league. Um, I think. For me, if if I'm gonna maybe not like a one year league because I've been in some bad ones and I just quit after. Right. Um, I think it's important to be able to talk shit to each other um, and also like kind of communicate with each other, just like in general, be able to jab at each other because that kind of like heightens everything. It makes everything so much better. Like I, I don't want to just beat you by thirty. I want to beat you by thirty and you know tell you how bad you are and watch you just take it. 
you know, and vice versa. It, it just makes everything better. Like if, if we're not going to talk shit to each other, what's, what's the point? Exactly. You need to establish a community in your league. Like it, there are leagues, you know, you play in, there's not a lot of communication. You know, what doesn't happen in those leagues trades ever. Yeah. Ever. If, if, if your league, you know, you'll, you'll join a league. And especially if you know, nobody, nobody's going to trade with you. You know, like they just assume you're a rapist. Trade, a trade rapist. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, they're just coming in and you're like, well, I'll just do the same thing every week. No one to talk to. Let me just set this lineup and move on to my real league. Yep. I totally agree. Uh, Le- leagues that don't have community, and, and that's kind of the flaw. Like, I would almost play non-paid leagues just to kind of get some uh, reps in, except for those leagues always inevitably fall apart. You know, have you ever joined, like, a like a public league on Yahoo or ESPN? Like, they'll some of them, they, they do a good job for, like, the first few weeks. They always fall apart, and then some teams aren't managing anymore, and, like, it's well, it, the, frustrating. The free, that's where the free part comes in. You know, if you don't have skin in the game, like really, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why, why waste any time? It's like, you know, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a thousand dollars or 10,000, whatever. It doesn't have to be anything stupid, but you know, just like anytime you're gambling with your, your buddies on anything, a dollar makes all the difference in the world. Just having a little juice on something goes a long, long way. Yep. In our fantasy league that we play in, it's it's aggressive. We have a group chat. We say horrible things to each other. Just horrible. We're so mean to each other. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, our fantasy league goes kind of next level. Uh, I don't. You know, I I like many people. Uh, over a decade ago, started watching the league on FX. Um, I missed I was, that show. I was always super into fantasy football, but the league just kind of made it second or you know, next level. Cause it was a bunch of guys in their early thirties, right? You know, they're, they're all living their professional lives, but then they have this league that they take way too seriously. And I think everyone could relate to that. But then I want, I really wanted to, like, I aspired to it. I was like, I don't, I don't just think this is fun. And like, I can see a little bit of myself in this. I want to like be this. So we, <laughs> we made Odin, you know, which is our Shiva, um, and one sweaty day out in my front porch, I, I, I crafted this trophy. Uh, I'll post some pictures of it when we post this uh, podcast, but it, it's the most fucking ridiculous trophy. It's got like a head. It's got sunglasses. Um, it does have a base, and we, we engrave all the winners on it. Um, it. It's truly a ridiculous trophy, but everybody wants that shit on their fucking bookcase, and that's what I wanted. You, it, we, we threw out you know a monetary value to what this league costs, but in the end, it's all all about the fucking win, and that's the league I wanted. Yeah, and um, you know I, the punishment's kind of big too. Uh, obviously, you know, depending on your group, there's some extremes, and uh, I think kind of holding everyone accountable. And I know we've all had these talks. Like, listen, if you're not going to sack up and deal with, uh, you know, the punishment, which you know, which is within the realm of reason, if and if you're as weird as us, but uh, listen, if you don't, if you don't own up to that shit, then you're going to miss out on the entire year of the jabs, the good chat. Like you miss all that camaraderie. So it's just kind of the give and take. I, I think that's very important. Yep. And what know, Mar- my, short of a face tattoo. Well, so what Marcus is referring to is, you know, uh, we have a, a punishment in our league and I, it developed one, one year when I saw there were some teams towards the end to, towards the bottom of the rankings that they were just kind of not giving a shit anymore. And they weren't really, you know, paying attention towards the final games. And I was like, how do we fix this? 
how do we fix this issue of, you know, guys that know they're absolutely out of the playoffs, they can't win any money, but how do we keep those guys enthused other than just, you know, not being last place? So we created what we call the unicorn. So the last place in our league is the unicorn. Now, what do we do for the unicorn? <laughs> A lot. We spend about, mm, I think last unicorn, we spent about $400 for his, let's call it, his uh, ball gown. <laughs> we send the, we send this off to one of the guys in our league, Trevor, whose brother happens to be an extremely talented, um, you know, uh, like dress designer. Um, and he, he basically crafts this dress for one of the 12 guys in our league. And um, it's pretty much as embarrassing as it can possibly be, uh, you know, rainbows and i think the first year they were wearing um a tutu like a light up tutu uh with uh with what, what was it tights on and oh man we try to make some, them some bdsm uh <clears throat> yes like <laughs> yeah we, we bought the we bought the first year we bought some straps with like studs on it like it's it's out there you know and uh then not only do we adorn them in this beautiful outfit, um, we bring them out in the town. And I'm not talking about, you know, we're not going to, like, some places that are going to, like, really seize this. Mo we go to the biggest dive bar we can possibly fucking find, preferably with karaoke. Then they also have to sing karaoke. So we basically, you know, we dress them up like this, you know, little, little princess that they are because they are last place in our league. And then we take him out to the, and we live in Florida, so a dive bar that, let's just say, they're not too open <laughs> to the whole concept. Uh, first year we did it, a uh, guy was a trooper, um, we, and we don't mention names, it's one of the rules. Um, we, guy was an absolute trooper, but he got called some absolutely horrific things while we were out, and we had to pretty much, you know, we're a bunch of big guys, and this dude that was the unicorn is like six foot four looks like he could kick some ass but nobody looks cool and badass in a tutu so guys were taking their shots at him and uh it's wild man so you know if you really really want to take it to the next level those are the things you can really throw into your league to spice it up and the unicorn it's it's been absolutely fucking epic yeah i can't wait and uh, you know, I know we're, about, we're going to touch on why your team sucks, but uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about things that are going to be haunting us. And man, trying to for me, you know, you were talking about the uh, the guys that died off at the end, just wanted to give up, quit. Uh, I was the exact opposite. I was trying to make any move I could to just sneak out a couple wins to avoid this glorious punishment, and um, I'll be regretting it. It's that Keenan Allen move. Uh, yep. It's going to hurt me this year, but you know, you got you got to try make some moves because. Uh, You'll never be able to shake the unicorn forever, you know. Yep. It's uh, it's it's always going to be there in everyone's hearts and minds, and hopefully at my <laughs> funeral, uh, you know, I, I think that's when it'll be acceptable at my funeral. The videos from that, whoever's still breathing, can uh, can play those. Hey, look at your grandfather. <laughs> that's that, so. That's my favorite part about the unicorn punishment is you know we have uh, twelve guys in one league, we have fourteen in another. Um, in both leagues, there, uh, 10 out of the 14 in the Keeper League would have no issue with, with being the unicorn and, and just in, in pulling it off. Like we, we, and we, already, we already ranked who would, who would be the most insecure about being the unicorn. 
Um, and but then there's four guys in our league that are they think about it every night before they go to sleep. It's the last thing they they think about before they go to sleep, and it's the first thing that they think about when we wake up. Uh, we had one dude that's going to be the unicorn this year who he's so mad about it that he he's one of the biggest he's one of the most integral parts of this league. He want he was contemplating leaving the league like that is how scared he is of this whole thing. Um, but yeah, so it's really not even the punishment. It's just the fact that you are the unicorn that everybody wants to avoid. But we'll post some of these pictures with faces blurred out. Um, these outfits, folks, are just incredible. You you wouldn't you wouldn't even believe the amount of work and time that goes into these things. They they're not just like chintzy ass outfits. They're fucking grand. They're amazing. But let's let's shift from why your league sucks. And everyone has those, those guys in your league that they make the same mistakes every year. And you you try to talk to them, and it's like some guys just don't have the ability of like strategy. The ability to, you know, formulate strategies, it's not innate in everybody. And it's especially not innate in some folks. Some guys, they just never learn their lessons. They go back every single year. You can tell they haven't prepared again. You can tell they're ready to throw out the same old strategies that they throw out every year. But why do most people's teams suck? Um, for me, I, you know, obviously there's going to be a ton, a ton of reasons, but I think flexibility is one. So, Mentally, you don't want to deviate from your plan. And there's one way, don't deviate at all. And then there's another one when uh, a couple wrenches get thrown in, you want to deviate too much. So I think finding that middle ground of maybe snagging someone a little too early and not not taking a, you know, a pick too personal if you can't get them or get that position. Uh, so you know, flexibility, I think, is really huge and not, not trying to force something just because of uh, you know, a want or a need. Not building enough depth into your lineup, uh, for one thing. Some teams I've seen leagues where there's a guy in my league every year. He like tries to be the first one to have a complete like starting nine, and it's like, okay, dude, I haven't even drafted my quarterback yet. I'm still drafting like my fifth running back first, and you're already drafting your kicker. Like that's not going to be good for you, um, because <clears throat> at that point you're one injury away from like being completely screwed. Uh, so that's that's a big one. And then uh, another one is just the guys who um, like certain players too much and they reach too far in the draft. Like, you can't do that. You can't fall in love. You got to be willing to take the value when it comes to you. Let the league determine how it's going to ride out. Like, there's certain guys that you can maybe reach a little bit on. And once you get to a certain point in the draft, it's okay to take as many, you know, go wherever you want once you're, you know, nine, nine, ten rounds in or whatever. Right. But early in the draft, you have to let it come to you. Yep. Um, yes, the, the the lack of flexibility. Some people, they have this rigid plan set in, you know, like I'm going to have running backs. You know, I'm, 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 I might, the basis of my team is that I have two really good running backs. Well, sometimes, especially if you draft early, I see this happen a lot. You know, if, if you draft early, especially in PPR or non-PPR, but especially, you know, non-PPR, uh, by the time it comes back to you in a snake draft, if you're playing a 12-team league, if the running backs are falling off the board, which they inevitably will, you have to be prepared to be able to adapt to that strategy. Like, maybe you're not a guy that likes to take tight ends early, but if there's a shitload of running backs off the board and there's one of the best tight ends still there, you have to be willing to adapt your strategy. So there are guys that do that. Um, the number one thing for me that I see all too often is, 
is there's always that guy that takes a quarterback way too fucking early. Uh, you have to be able to know where these quarterbacks are going. People will be like, oh, you can't fault me for you know taking Lamar Jackson in the second because he's going to score X amount of points. Well, yes, we can because if you look at everybody else's draft boards, nobody was going to touch him before the fourth round. So that's another thing about knowing knowing the rest of your league, and we have those guys in our league every fucking year. It just blows my mind. I'm just like, dude, if you wanted that guy, cool. You could have had him easily in two rounds. You And that is the importance of mock drafts. Like, if you really want a guy, go out and get him. But also know where you can get them. Because overreaching is, is the number one thing, especially with quarterbacks. I mean, they, quarterbacks are, listen, I mean, for, for, for any top-tier quarterback, guys arise every year like Ryan Tannehill that you can pull off the waivers. Um, and so it's just... You know, it's 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 the most classic mistake, in my opinion, is people overreach on quarterbacks. One more thing: you cannot absolutely wait what happened last year and expect that to occur again. Like, there's people that uh, I have a I have a buddy of mine uh, a few years back, Todd Gurley, uh, rookie year. I grabbed him late, like because he was hurt and was supposed to miss the first few weeks of the season. I was like, they drafted him the first round. There's no way they're not going to feed him the rock. They do. Then the next year, somebody drafted him number one overall. And I was like, no, that's awful. They like lost some of their key offensive linemen. There's like they have a rookie quarterback in Jared Goff. There's no way he's going to do what he did last year. Right. So it's like you have to be able to understand that and project out what the teams are going to do and how they're going to play. You cannot just base it off of what happened last year and where that player is going to fall. So true. So true. And also, if a guy has a career year, it is highly unlikely that he repeats that career year. So all those running backs that, you know, a running back has a season where he scores, Sean Alexander goes for like 37 touchdowns. Guess what Sean Alexander is not going to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's if, if a guy scores an, an inordinate amount of touchdowns, that's going to regress. If a guy score, you know, and then there's some guys that are like, hey, this guy had a lot of red zone targets, didn't get that many touchdowns. Maybe that guy's going to get some positive regression. So look for that, too. Yep, and the guy that we've talked about in the past, we just talked about him last week during the cast, is, you know, it's it's super obvious when a guy just had the best season he's ever going to have in his career. <laughs> and you, you saw last last year, like, I'm telling you, guys are going to over, overdraft this year. Guys like Stephon Diggs. Um, Travis Kelsey. Look at Travis Kelsey. Uh, there, there's a guy that, you know, he broke every tight end fucking record in the book. Guy had a ridiculous year. He's still going to have a really good year this year, but you can't draft him just on the basis of, of what they did last year. So Stephon Diggs, you know, guys that just have these obviously phenomenal years, how many times did Adrian Peterson, you know, look like, oh, there's no way this guy can't repeat this. And then he would, you know, have little issues and... and little, little switches. Yep, little switches, you know, little, little off-the-field incidents that took him took him off. Um what goes up must come down. We saw it last year with Michael Thomas. Uh, Michael Thomas had the fucking extraordinary year in 2019, and everyone was like, this guy's a surefire thing. Well, you know, he's not. Nobody is, except for some guys. Patrick Mahomes, you can anticipate. We haven't seen the last Patrick Mahomes 50 touchdown season. You know what I'm saying? So there are obviously, uh, there are phenom, you know, generational yeah. talents that you can still kind of throw the dice on. Um, I still think so highly of Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, um, but they're you know you gotta really really be weary of the one hit wonder 
guys. You know, guys that just explode all of a sudden. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it'll fuck you up. Hmm. It kind of reminds me about how happy I am on my, one of my bold takes from last year, whatever injuries or not, but, uh, it was Michael Thomas with, uh, under a hundred catches last year. So I'll be, I'll be happy with that one, but I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to be right now. I'm on, I'm on pace to completely reverse track with him. Uh, I think he's going to definitely split there, but it'll, my, he might be in that 120, 130 range. Yeah, so uh, let's just go ahead into it. So uh, fantasy sleepers, um, you know, the, the, these are the guys that win you your league. And a lot, of, most of the time, these aren't guys that you're drafting in the first few rounds. These are the Justin Jeffersons of last year, you know. Um, the guys that just seemingly come out of, no, uh, out of nowhere. Uh, you know, look at guys, guys that busted last year. No, these are the guys on the opposite end of the spectrum, guys that really nobody expected anything out of that just came out of nowhere and won you your, your league. So let's hear it, guys. You got any good fantasy sleepers for this year? I know it's early, but it's never too early to talk about this topic. Are we going to go position by position here? No, just just, just okay. give, me your, just give, me, give me your sleepers. <clears throat> well, so uh, one of the sleepers that I see there, just there's a couple here wide receiver-wise that are just – feel way too low like julio uh fantasy pros has him at like wide receiver 17 there's no way there's no way like if you look at what the tennessee offense did last year Corey davis and aj brown like they're both basically top 12 wide receivers so julio at 17 feels way too low uh as good as he is and as much as they're going to probably feed him the rock plus you lose a lot of targets for johnny smith so that that's that's one that feels way, way too low and then how about robbie anderson robbie anderson was like what borderline uh, top, like towards the top end of a number two wide receiver. He's going at like wide receiver, like uh 30 something in here. It's pretty ridiculous. And for whatever reason, Robbie Anderson is just that receiver that I can't, it doesn't matter how good he does. I'm always going to undervalue him. I don't like him. I don't, and I know he outperforms anything I think he'll ever do. I don't know why. Um, uh, at, Sometimes you just can't put your finger on someone or a certain team throughout the season, um, but obviously I get you know he's getting back with uh, with Darnold there, so they should have uh, have something well, going. Well, so, so here's a here's just just a little bit further on Robbie Anderson. So if you look at his offense that he's in, that Joe Brady offense, they want to push the ball down the field, which is what he does really well. So when we've seen Robbie Anderson have some success, it's when they have pushed the ball down the field to him. Teddy Bridgewater is not really great at doing that but Sam Darnold at least has the arm to do it now it may become more of a volume thing he may just it may happen more frequent frequently and maybe not necessarily as accurate so there's still probably a little bit of boom bust there for Robbie Anderson but overall this is a guy who's gonna be in your lineup as if you're especially you're starting three wide receivers well so I mean yeah let's face it uh, I, I think people are down on Robbie Anderson for Countless reasons. Number one, he he tailed off. He was so good last year, and then he really tailed off at the end of the year. If, if you look at his last four games, um, he's he's really inconsistent. He's one of these boomer bust guys. Uh, he's also just got his quarterback back that he consistently didn't play well with. Now you can blame Adam Gase for that. I know I certainly do. Um, but you know, when I look at Robbie Anderson, he's 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 right behind Claypool. Uh, just ahead of Jamar Chase on the on the rankings that I'm looking at, um, I don't know. I don't see that many guys ahead of him that I truly would wouldn't take ahead of him. You know what I'm saying? So, I I I, I, I 
all I'm saying is I think Robbie Anderson could have a really good year, but I think that the knocks on him are very legitimate. Uh, how many years was he the projected sleeper with the Jets? You know what I'm saying? And he never really materialized. He by far had the best year of his career last year. And I, I don't know. He's getting the old quarterback so, back that he didn't really produce with. So, some guys I like Robbie Anderson more than. <clears throat> Chris Godwin, CeeDee Lamb, Mike Evans. No, d- uh, don't don't tell us who, who you who like more than I, him. I, I'm not. That's I'm not. I'm not saying that these are busts. I'm just saying that Robbie Anderson. Yeah, like, but you don't I have like to go through the whole list of people it. you want. Yeah. yeah. So like T Higgins, Brandon Ayuk. I'm taking yeah. Robbie Anderson over all those guys. Yeah. So so I I know we didn't want to talk about like high draft, but so I'm just gonna make this run real quick. Miles Sanders at 18. Uh, that for me that has to be a sleeper move. Like if he gets to 18, I think it's a. It's a travesty, but um, some some names that like are popping up. It's some it's the receivers that I had last year that are projected way lower. Um, I think DJ Chark at what seventy uh, seven. Um, how, how do you not? He, now obviously he's shown some pretty solid potential. Put up great numbers. Battled yeah. some injuries last year. Um, obviously with Trevor Lawrence, you know some new things going on in there. I think there's some serious value there at 77. So we're talking about sixth, seventh round, eighth, eighth round. However, um, um, I'm always going to be big on my boy T Y Hilton, 117. Um, great value there. I love that guy, but, um, I think my favorite is still going to be Trey Sermon at 105. Um, and you know, I, we're going to touch on part of that later, but, um, big fan of what he did coming out of Ohio state. The Niners' backfield's kind of a mess, and I think that's going to be his position. So, talking about a potential starting running back in the you know nine tenth round, uh, I, th- I think that's my my sleep my sleeper play uh, here. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I like those picks. Um, the, you know, some guys that it's it's kind of hard to call him a sleeper, but I, I really do think we see a huge bounce back season from Michael Thomas. Um, you know. He loses Drew Brees, but does he lose or does he gain with that loss? Uh, say what you want about Jameis. The guy throws the fucking rock. And he enhanced the shit out of Michael Tom, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Michael Mike Evans and Godwin. The year prior, they both had 1,000-yard years. Let's not act like Jameis Winston did not feed all of his receivers for years with the Saints. If if Jameis Winston is the guy in New Orleans, which I think he will be, um, look for, you know, there to be an ab- absolute uh, feeding frenzy with that offense because the guy – Say what you want about him. He, sling, he slings the ball downfield. Um, another yeah. guy that I really, really, really like uh, at running back that I don't even understand uh, why he's going so far down. And, and, he, and I'm, I'm kind of starting with the earlier picks. But right now his ADP is 42. Antonio Gibson. Um, I think that this is a guy who's ridiculously talented. I think he's on a good team, and I think that he has the potential of being an RB1 this year. Um, if, if he truly is falling at an ADP of 42, I think you can comfortably draft this guy in the third round and, and, and be very comfortable with that pick. Yeah, and uh, it, I'm actually glad that you brought him up because I've got his backup to talk about here in a little bit. But that, that's that's what you want, someone who – 
you can have depth that has RB1 upside, yep. especially especially when you're talking about a team that's going to play defense, run the rock, and maybe be a little bit more conservative throughout you know portions of the game. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, there's uh, there's nothing wrong there with uh, Gibson, um, and he not, what he didn't have like significant injuries. Obviously, he got a little banked up, but it happens at the position. Uh, but yeah, huge upside there. And an- another guy I really like at running back is uh, AJ Dillon. Um, if, yep. if, if if you look at what he did towards the end of last year, uh, I mean, just guy turned on the Jets and and when um uh why am I I'm blanking on his name Aaron Jones uh, when Aaron Jones went out uh, Dylan I I I I truly you know Aaron Jones he I, Aaron Jones is really good I I truly I I, I kind of whiffed on him last year and I kind of doubted his talent he really is a really talented player but I think AJ Dylan is also extremely talented. But more importantly, I think they complement them each other really well. So I think even with a with a healthy Aaron Jones, you can have a productive AJ Dillon, and I and especially if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, because oh, yeah. if if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, this this is going to be a run first offense. They they still have a great offensive line. So if, if Aaron Rodgers does not play for the Packers, I like AJ Dillon more, which is funny because I like Aaron Jones less without Aaron Rodgers, but I like A.J. Dillon more without Aaron Rodgers. So um, I think it could be a really interesting offense, uh, you know, the, the way it plays out. But that guy's a fucking monster. He, he yeah. Derrick Henry-like in his in his size and strength. And they, they, post, yeah, they posted that viral picture the Packers did of um, him standing next to Aaron Jones. <laughs> And yeah. it's, it's a little bit of, you know, uh, forced perspective with, with uh, A.J. Dillon was standing slightly closer to the camera, but that guy is an absolute just Spartan warrior. He's fucking huge. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Get out of my head. For like, straight up. Just we, get out of my head. A couple. I'm, I'm going to Oliver Green Bay here in the next next two segments as well. <laughs> we, we talked about a couple of these guys earlier, but uh, I have just a trio of quarterbacks that I think are all sleepers. How about Derek Carr? I thought what he did last year was actually pretty productive, yeah. and he's going well outside the top 20 at quarterback. Uh, Jameis, as we talked about, just if he gets the starting gig there, he's going to be a very productive quarterback there, definitely worthy of a top 12 uh, quarterback slot. And then Sam Darnold, just as a dart throw, uh, maybe maybe as like a just uh, grab him as a backup quarterback potential in case he does bust or he does go off in that um, in that Joe Brady offense. Yes. So with quarterbacks, I think you got to find your find your guy, right? Because quarterbacks are important. Like I, I was talking about how people overdraft them. Well, people also underdraft them, and it's probably my, I'm, it's it's the thing I'm most guilty of. I try to get cocky, and I think I can wait, and I build this ridiculous fucking depth of every other position except for quarterback. And then the entire fucking year, I'm trying to trade for a fucking quarterback that can consistently get me twenty points. Um, that that becomes a problem. But I I love the the getting your one guy and then finding your sleeper for your bench. You know what I'm saying? And 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 guys like um guys like Jameis Winston would be a great guy to stash on your bench this year. You know, maybe maybe you don't want to roll him out as your starter, but if you can get him as your backup and then potentially trade whoever you 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 drafted as your starter, like that could be an elite move. I know a lot of people did that with Tannehill a couple of years back. Um, and then you know if and when you're getting that second quarterback, a lot of guys go for veterans. I think you really go for the upside guy. 
You know, maybe mm-hmm. take maybe take another dice roll if it's right towards the end of the draft and you still don't have your second quarterback at a guy like Daniel Jones. Like, if, if Daniel Jones ever figures out how to throw the ball, that guy's going to be fucking insane because he is a blazer. He's an athletic freak. I mean, why can't Daniel Jones, you know, be a Josh Allen-like figure? It's because he hasn't quite figured out the downfield reads and uh, the just the, the passing prowess. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think when you're drafting your second quarterback, you got to go for upside. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not, not only like the upside, but having teams that like to throw the ball and teams that have terrible defenses that are going to be behind that, yep. that that's where you can get like some awesome value, uh, forever. I used to, uh, I, I think I had like three or four years in a row where my, my two quarterbacks would be Tony Romo and Eli Manning. And yeah, they turned the ball over, but they would just launch the ball downfield. You're talking late quarterbacks that can score you some points and you know volume 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 if you're chasing points that's good for your quarterback yep yep so i think sam darnold's another good stasher like you said uh what do you guys think about carson wentz i love so everything he's got, a, he's got a good offensive line in front of him for the most part uh and then he you know there's some talented weapons and stuff there and frank reich is going to build the system around him question is whether or not he's going to be able to do it from a clean pocket because he's had issues with that so having a good offensive line does that really help i don't know um the thing about them is that their defense is still pretty good so i don't know that they're gonna be chasing a lot of points which may take you know take the ball out of his hands a little bit yeah but but i I think carson wentz is one of those guys um i'd have to double check but i think he was close to Derek carr when it it comes like adp down there Mm -hmm. um i think i I think this might be a guy who can consistently get you in that 15 to 20 type range, but maybe not many four touchdown performances because of how good that defense is. But, you know, less turnovers, 280 yards and two touchdowns and, you know, 30 yards on the ground. That, that'll that work all day with a, with a quarterback at that uh, ADP. Yeah, so uh, Fancy Pros has him as 139 overall, quarterback 18. Yeah. Yeah, Carson Wentz is one of these guys that he's intriguing to me. Phillip Rivers passed, passed for 24 touchdowns in that offense last year. Phillip Rivers was fucking terrible. If you watched any games of Phillip Rivers last year, he I've, I have not seen a quarterback start an entire season that looked that bad in quite some time. Still at a 24-11 ratio. This is a really fucking good, talented, up-and-coming offense. They lose very little. They lose a little bit of their offensive line, but for the most part, they keep it intact. Uh, They get Marlon Mack back. That running back core is fucking ridiculous. So what do you do with this team? Do you stack the box with these ridiculous running backs? I'm not saying I believe in Carson Wentz, because I don't. I think the guy is seriously flawed, but I also think... Look at Aguilar coming out of Philly last year. I think that it was a weird, toxic situation going on in Philly, and this is a guy that people were talking about as an MVP just a few years ago. So I said it a couple months ago in our group chat. I'll say it again. Count me as one of the guys that's going to be dumb enough to be fooled by Carson Wentz again this year. <laughs> telling you. So um, how about some later round guys that you like a little bit here? I mean, for quarterback? Anyway, anywhere, any position. Later rounds, like for me, for me, my life super late rounds, uh, which is way later than Sermon. Probably guys who might go undrafted. Um, these guys are both two thirty one, two fifty two rookie receivers. Uh, Nico Collins and Amari Rogers, big on both. I love what uh, Amari Rogers has to offer. I uh, love what he does in Clemson. Two fifty two, 
Why not take a flyer? We know Green Bay does some weird shit. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling puts up some big numbers. Um, so I think there's potential huge value there. And uh, and I've talked about Nico Collins a few times this year. Big, strong, fast, coming out of Michigan where they didn't really throw the ball too much. And uh, and you're talking about a Texans team that is going to be behind and behind big a lot this year. Yeah, and when you look at Rodgers, like what what you know, real competition does he have? Because, uh, like, you know, people, Lazard, when Lazard was on the field last year, he looked fucking phenomenal. Lazard is, like, uh, nobody. Yeah. That guy, guy came out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, if, if Rodgers is on that field, sky's the fucking limit. Um, I think Lazard is relatively replaceable just in terms of skill. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love – you get any interest – look at Tanyan last year. Tanyan led the league in tight – for tight ends with touchdowns last year. You, did you know who – if you said you know who Tanyan was before you're last lying. year, you're fucking lying. Guy came out of nowhere. And so if Aaron Rodgers is playing for the Packers, close your eyes and just throw throw it into the receivers he's thrown, dude. They're going to have a good year. Yeah, and remember, Amari Rodgers is going to be playing that uh, that Randall Cobb position right in the slot. For sure. Getting it, And, you know, even if you're talking about, you know, seven for 60 yards and a touchdown, that's a that's a great second flex. Flex, second flex. Yep. Yeah. So uh, just a couple of other guys that I kind of like a little bit later as wide receivers. Um, I think Michael Gallup is the third wide receiver off the board for the Cowboys. And I still think that that off that defense sucks. They're going to be chasing points. There's lots of volume to be had there. So I like that as a, as a guy that you can grab there. Darnell Mooney started to break out last year with the bears. Uh, They should have a better quarterback situation than they had last year. Uh, Especially if we get some Justin Fields, then that could become a real boom for you because uh, you know, Darnell Mooney hitting some of the deep throws and stuff like that, taking some of that pressure off uh, Allen Robinson. I really like that. How about McCall Hardman? Sammy Watkins is gone from Kansas City. So this is a guy who's going to get more run there. And I mean, the like you're going to score touchdowns in in that offense. Like if you're if you're on the field, you're going to score a lot of touchdowns. So that's that's a guy that's going to hit some deep shots for you. Uh, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, there's a lot of good talk about him in New England. Uh, and then a couple of a uh, little bit further down there, Gabriel Davis for the Buffalo Bills uh, is a guy that kind of broke out on the scene last year, had a really good playoff game, and he's still going pretty late. Uh, I think because of Emmanuel Sanders kind of watering that down a little bit for him. So I think that that's still a guy that could have, you know, he he's pretty dynamic and he's very young. And then I'm going back to the well audit. I talked about him last week, Elijah Moore for the Jets. I still think he's a guy that you might want to target as a sleeper late. Yeah, and another guy that, you know, he, he's surprisingly low on the list of quarterbacks that uh, I kind of like him. I think that he was overdrafted last year. I'm guilty of being one of the guys that reached on him last year. Uh, but now this year, I think he's he's readjusted, and, and the league has readjusted, has over-readjusted for him. Melvin Gordon, ranked right now as the 29th running back, I mean, the guy still had over four yards of carry last year. He still looked relatively productive despite a DUI, a terrible Denver offensive line. Um, you know, if Aaron Rodgers is a guy, Melvin Gordon could have a phenomenal year. Even if Aaron Rodgers isn't the guy, I think we forget who Melvin Gordon is. He's he's this, you know, red zone monster. Um, he's going to get all the carries in that position. Uh, he no longer has to deal with Philip Lindsay. So it's not as crowded as a running back room. He really doesn't have all that much competition. Like, of course, they go out and, and draft Javante Williams, but a lot of people are pretty torn on what Javante Williams can bring. 
And I think with, you know, rookie running backs, you have to be weary. Like, especially if Denver is even slightly competitive, they're going to go with the veteran guy. Um, so I, I think that, you know, Melvin Gordon as a 29th running back, you know, being projected right now, I think that's kind of a steal at that spot. Like if you can conceive, conceivably get him in like the eighth round, like, wow, that'd be big. If you, if you, if you get, if you can get the number one running back starting RB one, RB two, I guess would be the more appropriate one. Right. Five, six, five, six is still awesome value there. For sure. Uh, Cause you know, you know, he's going to get touches. Denver can still play defense. Um, you know, it's you know not like they have other than Kansas City and the Chargers, but those are going to be run, running games uh, and touches. He can still catch the ball, so I'm, I actually really do like that play there for sure. Uh, there's a couple tight ends I wanted. I thought that it worth highlighting here. Uh, Evan Ingram, I think that's a little too low for him. Uh, he's had some injury issues, but when that guy's right, he can be really, really a really good player. And so I think outside the top twelve at tight ends, too low. Um, Irv Smith is a guy that we've talked about a lot previously in, in years past. Uh, out of Alabama, he's a move tight end. He's really dynamic with the ball in his hands and no more Kyle Rudolph to steal uh, touches from him. So he was dealing with, you know, being behind him for a long time, and now he's able to step into the light. Um, and then a couple real low guys, Kenny Yaboa, who's a just a guy that the Jets have raved about a lot, and he's completely off the radar. Uh, so if you want a guy that's, you know, just a random flyer, that's one of them. And then how about Thaddeus Moss? Uh, he just got you, cut, I thought. Did he? I didn't see that. Um, if he is still, in fact, with Cincinnati, then uh, I do like him playing in, you know, Joe Burrow is knows what that guy can do. So uh, I think that could be interesting and at least fun. Yep. More importantly, I'm taking Zach Ertz, and then I hope he gets traded right after I take him. I think they've got him at like the 28th tight end. Uh, no, I probably pretty much because they don't know what's going on there. But uh, you know, if he's sitting there, hopefully he gets traded over to Buffalo right after I draft him, and uh, you know, give me a tight end one there. Yeah, Zach Ertz being ranked, you know, really low on this board. Uh, give me some uh, in terms of tight ends. Give me Cole Komet. I I, I really think Cole. Cole Komet's going to be a uh, top 10 tight end this year. Um, he's he's being drafted, I think, dangerously low. Uh, you probably don't want him as your starter, but he's he's a good upside you know, guy to stash on your bench, I think. Um, and I'm actually going to go the opposite way on Irv Smith. Uh, I have been pretty disappointed in Irv Smith Jr. so far in his career. And uh, he just cons- consistently, you know, He's had chances in the Vikings offense, and I don't, I don't know. Um, I, you know, if he's your backup tight end, that'd be great. But I, I'm not starting Irv Smith this year in fantasy, personally. Well, not at the beginning of the season, you mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know how that's going to improve much for him towards the end of the year. I, I just think he's, you know. Anyways, uh, let's move on to some bus. Yes, guys. Yes. Guys, this year I've, I have I have a lot of lot of names uh, in mind because I do think there's some guys that are just screaming bus year. Uh, but let, let's go through them. You guys got any? Got well, let's let's get your sexiest bust or, or maybe maybe your most controversial bust. I, I've been talking about this for a long time since before the draft, but Kyle Pitts wherever he goes is going to be a bust. And uh, sure enough, Atlanta takes him really high in the, the first round. Um, that's an offense that, you know, tight ends just do not do not typically have good seasons first year or second year. 
um, oftentimes. So uh, that's the, all the expectations are going to be on him to perform like a top five tight end, and there's no way he's going to live up to that. This, uh, you know, just like you said, I, th- I think this is a really easy list to keep make long, big, why you think they're going to fail. So I, I really just kept this to five names. Um, and we, we started playing with a few of them earlier. Aaron Jones is going to be one of the – I've got two running backs on here. Aaron Jones is one of them. Uh, big contract. He really struggled in the playoffs, and sometimes that carries over. Really big on A.J. Dillon. Um, obviously, there's a lot of question marks, but I think AJ, Aaron Jones is one of my two RB busts. Um, Derrick Henry, um, just at three overall, it's, it's not to say he's going to have a bad year, but when you're lacking the pass catches, it's hard to keep up that in, like insane numbers. I'm still rooting for him. Um, but I think my, uh, you know, I'll let you guys do a couple because I got some fun ones left, but my sexiest one. Last year, I was terribly wrong, and I doubled down on it terribly wrong, and I'm tripling down on it this year. Stephon Diggs bust at 13. Yes, I I, <laughs> I couldn't agree more with, with Stephon Diggs, and, and not that I think that he's a terrible player, just just like we talked about in our last cast. I just think he's being overdrafted. He he, he looks like in, in all these, all these uh, uh, rankings that I'm seeing as this guaranteed, you know, number one or first-round pick, I'm sorry if you're if you're drafting Stephon Diggs in the first round, you're you're fucking you're crazy. That the the wide receiving room just got a little bit more crowded. He's he's not going to get as many targets this year. Um, I still think he has a solid year, but is he going to have a more solid year than DeAndre Hopkins? Is going to have more of a solid year than Michael Thomas? I don't think he does. And so I I, I truly believe that he is just going to be one of these guys that's drafted in the first round, and he's more like a late second, early third round talent. Yeah. I've got a, a four top 40 running backs that I think are, are, are have a stand a good chance to not live up to their production. Let's start with Alvin Kamara. No Drew Brees. This, guy, this is a guy who's never put up 1,000 yards rushing in a single season. Which is wild, and by the he way. Is, he's a reception monster with Drew Brees. Jameis doesn't throw the running backs quite as much. There's a good chance that he takes a hit in value, and he's not going to live up to that first-round potential there that you have him. Another first-rounder, Zeke. I've been on the punt Zeke train for a long time and I'm not going anywhere on it. He's continued to, he's continued to fail and is still being drafted in the first round. I don't get it. Uh, Your boy Najee Harris uh, for the Steelers. I don't like him there because that offensive line can't block anybody. And then JK Dobbins in a super crowded backfield. I don't even know if he's the most talented running back in there. So, yeah, I, I, I've never liked Dobbins. (laughs) So I'm always going to agree with that take, but what were you going to say, Marcus? Oh, yeah. And I, I, I can always save the uh, the Steelers' offensive line for another one. This isn't really the time for that. So, obviously, there's, it's a 50-50 with Najee. But I, I think the biggest thing is it's like an entirely different offensive line. And I'm really high on what they're doing. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be close. I mean, every, everyone's wanting the Messiah. But, you know, he's you know, he should have a good season. But uh, first round's really, really it's iffy on there. Yeah, so uh, my probably my my most controversial, especially you know, it, it kills me to say this. It really does. Uh, I'm going to say Cam Akers is 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 in bus territory this year, just because of where he's ranked. It, again, it's like Stephon Diggs. I think he's going to have a solid year, but Darrell Henderson is still there. And last I checked, Sean McVay is still the coach. This is a guy who, besides Todd Gurley. You know, you saw last year without Todd Gurley, without their bell cow guy, you know, guy that they're paying a shitload of money to. Um, you know, Cam Akers is still on his rookie contract. Darrell Henderson is too. 
I think he's still, I think Darrell Henderson is still a very good player. So I think Cam An- uh, Akers is being drafted as this, like, you know, guaranteed number one guy. I think he's going to be splitting a lot of time with Darrell Henderson still in this offense. Um, and I think Sean McVay, he's more like Bill Belichick than people like to talk about. He's, I think he's going to be a running back by committee guy, you know, in that offense. Um, it's, it's frustrating as hell to watch how they used Cooper Cup last year. Um, who wasn't on the field for a lot, a lot of plays. And, you know, he, he will just take guys out randomly and, and will feature. There, there was one game that, you know, Cooper Cup had zero targets the week before. And then in the first quarter of the game against the Bucks, he had like nine. That's the way that Sean McVay rolls. Like, he's never going to do what you predict. And that's kind of the matchup fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. And now I, I want to hear the rest, but real quick, do you think with. Um, with them, do you think the like sting of the girly contract that they've had to eat and then losing that, do you think that would is also has to be in your mind about playing with uh, Darrell Henderson, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's listen, it's I, I, I think Sean McVay is he, he aspires to be one guy in this league, and that's Bill Belichick. And he, he sees what Bill Belichick did successfully for years. Bill Belichick is never going to anoint. You know, guy. The only guy that was ever truly featured in Bill Belichick's offense was Corey Dillon, and Corey Dillon, you know, was a borderline Hall of Fame player. Um, I think Cam Akers is a really special player. Uh, I think he's gonna be he's gonna play a role, and Darrell Henderson is gonna be is gonna split carries with him forty sixty. I'm guessing. So, um, I think you know if if he if you're drafting a guy in the in in the later second round, early third round, they have to be able to put up RB RB one, RB two numbers. So kids can say every week. Yep. I think How about think, some wide receivers. Wide receiver bus. Why well, are yeah. you mentioned Stephon Diggs? Um I you know, other than that, uh guys like Justin Jefferson worry me a little bit just just because of where they're being drafted. With Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson, you have to remember this this guy is a special talent. He is still playing in a run first offense, and they truly are run first. They're the, they're the only team last year that I think ran actually more running plays than they did passing plays. Um, it's even more run first than, than the Titans. Uh, and maybe that maybe they get their running game going so well that it opens up their passing game. That could happen. But I'm just a little bit worried when, when I see Justin Jefferson being drafted where he is. You know, we just talked about guys having these career years. Justin Jefferson just had the best year any wide receivers ever had their rookie season. So we can probably expect some regression. So don't expect a 1,400-yard year out of him. Um, I think, I'd say like 1,100 is a little bit more reasonable. Yeah. How about um, Chris Godwin? I think is still, as we mentioned, that that offense has so many mouths to feed. Yeah. I just don't see that him producing at that level. And this defense is really good. So this is not a team that's going to be chasing points as much. I don't think, um, Kenny Galladay coming off a big contract for the giants, changing teams and all this stuff. Everyone expects him to be kind of the answer, the savior there. I don't buy it. And then, uh, you know, I'm high on Robbie Anderson. I'm a little bit down on DJ Moore. I think he's going way too high. And I think that they're too similar players that they should be closer together. So uh, that, that taking him there, I'd much rather take Robbie Anderson, you know, three rounds later or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Robbie, Robbie Anderson, for sure. Uh, what do you guys think about AJ Brown with who, with, with, with Julio Jones joining them? I mean, is he going to, is he going to lose some targets conceivably? 
I don't think so, honestly. I mean, Derrick Henry can't run that many, have that many rushing attempts again. Like they're going to kill the guy. Um, they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, they lose Johnny Smith. They lose Corey Davis. Uh, so there's still, you know, there's still plenty of targets to go, I think, uh, for AJ Brown. And so I don't expect him to really drop that much. I think this could be like weirdly be like a completely new and different season for Julio. It's like a lot of times we're expecting uh, him to, you know, and I don't need corrected on the exact numbers, but you know, 90, 90 catches for like 1300 yards and one touchdown. Um, I think this year could w- weirdly be like 60, 65 catches, uh, 11, 1200 yards, but I'm, I'm expecting double digit touchdowns out of him. Um, right. A lot more one-on-one coverage. Cause you, you have to have people in the box for Derrick Henry. So um, less overall production, you know, as far as consistently, but I think he's, I think he's going to have a career year as far as uh, touchdowns go. Yeah. And for me, th- this is a guy that it's hard to call him a bust just because he will be drafted probably in like the, well, I hope like the sixth round, but I, I think Jamar chase will be overdrafted this year. Um, and, and you got to look at this guy. This, he didn't even play last year in college. He, he has not played since LSU won their national championship. Uh, he had a phenomenal year that year, but, you know, a full year removed, uh, a banged-up quarterback, uh, questionable offensive offense and offensive line. Um, this is a guy that he's so talented that you're going to get somebody in your league that likes him more. He's just a guy that I'd probably stay away from this year. I think Jamar Chase is going to have a great career. I think he's, I think he's going to be actually f- fucking ridiculous. But there's... People always have this recency bias with players, and everybody's going to be looking for the Justin Jefferson. So, uh, the Justin Jefferson of last year, and who better to look at as the Justin Jefferson for last year but Jamar Chase's former teammate, Justin Jefferson, who also absolutely tore it up. Uh, There's just guys that, you know, I kind of point to and I go, somebody's going to like this guy more than me. Uh, You already mentioned it with um, uh, the the tight end for uh, Atlanta, Pitts. Somebody's going to like Kyle Pitts more than you. And and if you look at, you know, Newman wrote an article about it. Historically, tight ends don't perform their first year. So it just go away from it. Someone's going to like him more than you. Just let it go. Yep. All right, let's talk some cuffs. That, what so we are, mentioned some of the guys that I liked here in this, in yeah, this section already. AJ sure. Dillon to me is is a is a guy that I absolutely want to try to cuff if I have Aaron Jones because yep. uh, I, I want to control that backfield. Well, you mentioned well, let's, let's set a baseline down just in case. Uh, so cuff in fantasy terms, if if you draft a RB one and they have a backup, a cuff is who you draft just in case your RB one goes down. He's a presumable next guy up if if the RB one in a given offense goes down. Um, so just just so everyone's clear, people like to draft cuffs. You know, if, if you if you invest a high round pick in a guy like Christian McCaffrey, you probably want to pick up his backup. So yeah, yeah, I, yes. I, I think the only I think the only running back situation that for for me doesn't fall in that handcuff situation. It has to be a Tennessee um, because even even if you draft Derrick Henry high, like what's really sitting back there, and that you know it's it's something where that whole I think that everything changes when he's not in there. So I think he's just the like very rare outlier where you don't get your starting guys uh, back up. I'm not sure Derrick yeah. Henry can get hurt. Yeah, me either. Guys, <laughs> a fucking um, but you. You mentioned Darrell Henderson. I think he's a great handcuff if you got Cam Akers because um, he's probably going to steal some carries. And should Cam Akers get hurt, Darrell Henderson going at 
pick freaking 13th round. That's that's one one thirty five projecting yeah. the 13th I, round like that is really fucking low. Darrell Henderson 49th. looked very productive when he played last year. Very, very yeah. productive. 49th running back off the board. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we talked about it last week. Malcolm Brown, I think, is a good handcuff to have down in Miami. Um because Miles Gaskins, if he gets hurt, which all running backs get hurt at some point, he gets hurt. Uh, Malcolm Brown's in there, can, can slide in there real easily and, and uh, take some of that work away from him as well as, well as be uh, the goal down, goal line back probably throughout most of the season. Ma- Malcolm Brown's actually like a borderline sleeper pick for me. Uh, he's still ultra talented. You know, he's a five star that went to, uh, he's a Texas Longhorn. Um, you know, he's, he's been good. He, he's solid. He can produce, which we saw with uh, with that trio over there with the Rams. My my cuff of the year goes to uh, Chuba Hubbard, uh, and, and, and here's why. Um, dude, Mike Mike Davis, He if you think Mike Davis came out of nowhere last year, he's been in the league forever, guys. Uh, and mm-hmm. he was one of the most productive. I think he was the number one running back in fantasy for like five weeks. He was fucking ridiculous last year when he came in. Um, I think this offense is just built for uh, running backs. I also think Chuba Hubbard is super talented. If he would have came out in the 2019 draft, he probably would have been drafted maybe late first round, maybe early second round. Like, that's how much people thought of Chuba, you know, until last year. And a lot of things happened that that led to him falling down the draft board. But if a guy like Mike Davis can perform in that offense, and, and we talk about it with Christian McCaffrey, you know, is it time to start worrying about Christian McCaffrey when guys start getting ankle and like little issues like that? All so, the soft tissues. Yeah, and and if you look at Chuba, if you can grab that guy in the sixteenth round, like one of the last rounds of the of your draft, all day. You have he, to. He, I think he's yeah, one, no, he's no one of my favorite cuffs of, of the of the whole of the whole uh, league this year. Talented back out of Oklahoma State, man. For sure, um, and, he, and he fits perfectly. Um, Matt, Matt Rule's Pac-12 or Big Twelve guy. Yeah, uh, they they like throwing the ball to the running backs, like spreading everything out. And he's very familiar with Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Hubbard's put up some good points against him at Baylor, so it's I, I can't argue that. Yep. And then uh, the I mean the a guy that how oh, the ultimate cuff is the guy that you think is better than the starter. And in this case, I think Travis Etienne is better than James Robinson. I Listen, I love James Robinson. I think they have an embarrassment of riches in Jacksonville. But Travis Etienne is a special fucking player. Um, he averaged like 20 rushing touchdowns a year at Clemson. He's literally playing with the guy he played almost every down with at Clemson, with, with Trevor Lawrence. Like, how unique is that shit? That your first and second round pick were dudes that played three years together at, in, at the college level and played at a ridiculously high level uh, I, th- I love everything about Travis Etienne. Uh, his skill level translates so well to the NFL level. I see him as being like a really dynamic Dalvin Cook-like player in this league. Hey, uh, yeah. I, I kind of think he could be an Alvin Kamara type player. I expect him to catch a lot of balls out of the backfield, sure. especially there in, in Jacksonville. So Etienne's one of those guys. I mean, obviously I'm super high on, but I think, um, and I've got him uh, sitting here next to Corderell Patterson, not like ranked wise, but guys who could potentially be set as RB slash receiver. Um, and that adds huge value and upside for guys like that. Uh, Cause uh, Patterson's the backup in Atlanta right now to Mike Davis. But if you have a handcuff that you can play at both positions, uh, it gives you a lot of uh, versatility, which is monstrous. Yep. And when I'm playing the cuff game, you know, sometimes you're not drafting them as your cuff. Sometimes, like I just mentioned, you just think this, the second, 
or the the backup running back on a team is actually better than the starter. And I think that in one of the most run heavy offenses in the entire league, that we there is a backup that is better than the starter just because I think nothing of the starter. And that's with the Baltimore Ravens. Gus Edwards, I'm just gonna say it. He's a guy to just roll the dice on because I I don't think much of uh, J.K. Dobbins. We were watching um, right before the draft, uh, Micah Parsons um, uh, uh, highlights, and it was it was just funny how many times Micah Parsons was just annihilating J.K. Dobbins in the fucking backfield. Yeah, the, just the entire highlight tape. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, I I just I, I never liked J.K. Dobbins in, in college. I don't think we saw anything out of him last year. Um, I don't necessarily like Gus Edwards, but that's just how little I think of J.K. Dobbins. So I think there's a lot of guys like that, that if you like the backup more than the starter, don't even cuff him. Just draft that guy like towards the end of the, of the draft and ho- hope he takes over. Happens all the time. Yeah. Now, now, so obviously we're all, all hating on Ohio State running backs this year, so why not the other backup handcuff, Tony Pollard? Uh, well, obviously we all have big boners for Pollard, and yeah. now you super do. Uh, that's another big name who he's produced. Uh, I think he almost outperformed uh, uh, Zeke last year, and, and you know on a week to week basis. Is it time to yeah. unleash the I, Pollard uh, article? <laughs> it might be. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Pollard, you know, just eats into Zeke's healthy reps because um, he's more explosive at this point in his career. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, my boy, J.D. McKissick. Yep. Holy fuck. This is a guy, don't even worry about cuffing this guy. He, he He's taking on a James White element to this Washington offense. It's not going to go away. It's he's gonna be it's gonna serve the same role. He was super productive in this role. He was averaging for a period like eight receptions a game. Uh, he is a PPR fucking god. Uh, JD McKissick is a guy who you can confidently draft. Maybe you know RB three. He he'd be a really good you know backup guy, but fringe RB two at times last year. Mm-hmm. He's never gonna put up a forty point game for you, but he's gonna put up a lot of eighteen point games for you. Yeah, yeah, he's a solid third running back slash flex play. Sure. Yeah, the, we we actually talked about the first. Uh, so the first four like handcuffs that I liked potential whatever uh, McKissick and Dylan. Like we all obviously we're all big on those. Uh, the other two names, uh, Tariq Cohen is an interesting one for me coming off an injury. Oh baby um, boy. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously assuming Fields is in there, but so so much versatility for some uh, some catches. Yeah. And and the one handcuff that I I and you don't want to see take over is it has to be Madison. He's a stud. Um, and 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 you mentioned it. The the Vikings run run heavy first and. You know, obviously, we're both root for Dalvin to have a two thousand yard season. But when you're talking about late late draft value, there's he's almost like an automatic handcuff down there. Yeah, and I think he actually would have been a bigger part of the offense last year, but he had a lot of injury. Uh, he, had, he he was injured for much of last year. Uh, if you look at his rookie year, even when Dalvin Cook was was healthy, he he got a lot of the spell. You know, carries uh, he he was came in on third down sometimes. Really, really solid, talented. I I I agree. I think I'll. Alexander Madison could start for easily 10 teams in this league. Yeah. I think that yeah. highly of him. Yeah, just one of those guys that just popped out. He, he was like a seventh round, right? Seventh round draft pick? Uh, I think he was a little bit. No, I think he was like fourth. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's an all-time rusher of BSU, which is saying a lot. It's saying a fucking lot. I mean, that he was a monster at BSU, and there's been a lot of talented running backs that have come from that college. Um, then, of course, there's guys like Kareem Hunt. You can't even consider this guy a backup. 
Uh, go ahead and draft him confidently, confidently as your as your running back too. And if uh, Nick Chubb goes down, and by the way, Nick Chubb goes down a lot, uh, you got yourself an absolute fucking stud because he could start for almost any team in the league. Yeah, it's insane. And, and, yep. and then we we talk about Ray for the pot. I want to get you guys' take. Uh, the Colts, you know, Jonathan Taylor, he looked like this sure thing at, at running back last year, but and he's fucking good. But holy shit, is this running back room crowded? Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, and then and then just a couple years ago, Marlon Mack was being drafted as a as a as a solid running back two, you know, arguably a running back one. Uh, Marlon Mack is even listed as a handcuff on this cheat sheet I sent you guys. I think that's fascinating considering how good Marlon Mack was before he went down. It just depends on what Indy wants to do. Um, I think in if they, if they blow out some teams, um, I think that's where Taylor's going to lose some touches just to keep him healthy. But I, I think as long as he's healthy and it doesn't turn the ball over, uh, I, I, he's he's been amazing. So, I'm I'm really torn on what to do there. Um, I still need more time with Indy as a whole. Uh, who I like, what players? Um, th- there's a lot of question marks. Preseason is going to be obviously something very, very big, and you know, uh, in, in the running back backfield there. And then I have one more for us uh, before we get out of here. Philip Lindsay, to me, is a guy that th- that's his backfield for the taking. Like David Johnson has not shown any ability to stay healthy throughout the course of his career. It's, I mean, there's a lot of running backs in that backfield that are going to, that's kind of eating into it. Rex Burkhead's there and uh, free and I, I don't know. They signed like Mark, every Mark running Ingram. back possible. Yeah. They signed like every, every running back possible to me. It's still the most talented back in that backfield is Philip Lindsay. And uh, I'm just going to bet on the talent and take a flyer on that guy. Makes one of us. I'm not touching any running backs there. <laughs> I'm not touching any player in Houston period. <laughs> Deshaun Watson will not play it down this year. But anyways, uh, anything else? That's all we got. All right. Well, that was a fi- did hour and 17 minutes. Holy shit. Went way longer than this fantasy cast than I thought we were going to do. But uh, we love talking about it. We're going to bring a lot more fantasy content to future pods. Uh, we're fantasy just fanatics, and uh, we might as well talk about things we love. Uh, from all of us here at the Sports Memory Podcast, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and have a great night.